The Start On Demand. On demand. Alberta has declared a public health emergency in a move to try to stave off the collapse of its health care system as COVID cases have surged since they opened things wide open. Problems continue in Winkler as the division in that community has led to violence. Instagram has a harmful effect on teenagers. That right from a leaked document from Facebook. We spoke to a professor in Norway to find out what exactly is the solution. And some scientists want to resurrect the woolly mammoth. If you could bring back any animal from extinction, which one would it be? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, September 16th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And we heard it in Jeff Braun's newscast. Big changes in Alberta. And uh, as much as I hate to say this, Greg, I, I don't think this is coming as a shock to anybody in Canada. Nobody likes to say I told you so. Well, <laughs> I don't like to say it. Uh, I might be thinking it, but I don't like to say it <laughs> out loud. Uh, lots of friends in Alberta. I have tons of connections out that way. And let me tell you, uh, the smartest of them, the ones I respect the most, saw this coming from 100 miles away. And uh, this is really not a surprise in any way, shape, or form. I hate to say it. Yeah, I think it was just, you know, in June, we were looking at what people to the west of us were doing, right? And we were saying, okay, Saskatchewan's opening up, Alberta's opening up, wonder what Manitoba will do. And then as soon as we heard their plans, we were like, oh, I kind of hope they don't go that far. You know, like Stampede was on. It was no masks on at all anywhere in Alberta. Same goes for Saskatchewan. And so yesterday, Jason Kenney, the premier, apologized sort of for um, opening too soon. And they've declared a state of public health emergency for the third time in this pandemic. And they are introducing a wide range of measures, including partial uh, pass system for vaccinated citizens. And um, here we go, right? For them, they're basically saying, yep, our hospitals are full, our ICUs are struggling, and we must need to slow the transmission. But uh, there will be a ton of people in Alberta saying this took too long to get to. And then there will be, of course, the political ramifications. What happens to Premier Jason Kenney when he in July basically said the pandemic's over and is now circling back to we were kind of wrong. Well, you talk about political language. They are not calling it the government, won't call it a vaccine passport. No, They're it, calling it, it's very, very specific, restriction exemption program. Here are the no. restrictions we're putting in place. Some Albertans may be allowed to circumvent the restrictions that are coming into place if they are vaccinated. It's very finely crafted. It's an Alberta thing, Brett. Uh, they just don't like the idea of restrictions, quote-unquote, on their freedoms. Yeah, it's confusing. And I know some people who visited Alberta just in the last couple of months who say it was kind of weird because it was like the pandemic had, as far as everybody was concerned, the pandemic was over. Like when they removed the mass mandate here in Manitoba, 
I think it's safe to say you saw more people than not still wearing masks. You saw some people take their masks off who were happy to take them off immediately. Uh, I mean, including me, there was one point where I didn't bother with the mask indoors uh, when I stayed out uh, at a resort. But uh, for the most part, people were still wearing their masks. But in Alberta, they said it was weird getting off the plane and being the only person in a mask. So... You got to you got to wonder, Loren. I mean, a lot of people have have questioned the efficacy or you know the usefulness of masks, but when you see their numbers uh, just skyrocketing, like sixteen hundred cases, I think yesterday, uh, their vaccination isn't that much further behind us. So, how much of a difference do, are the masks making? That was my question last night. I really went looking because, you know, we keep hearing they're really struggling and so is Saskatchewan. I was in Alberta this summer and I felt the same thing, you know, when you, as soon as you, even immediately as soon as we crossed into Saskatchewan, I was like, we're just going to keep the masks on for now. You know, it was, a, it was a case-by-case basis. And looking at Alberta's vaccination, right? So they have 71.4%, this is as of yesterday, 71.4% of their 12-plus population is vaccinated. We're at 78.9%. So we're about 7 percent ahead or seven points up on them on the full vaccination for 12 plus that's not a huge it's about 10 percent right it's about 10 percent it's a lot of people you know comparatively speaking but they're but their population more so in theory you know we're not that far ahead and so it made me think wow is mass a far bigger part of the equation than i think some people want to give credit for and that's just one of my thoughts this morning because we keep wearing them. We put them on. But no, no one I know complains about them anymore. I mean, I, I would love to not wear one. Please don't get me wrong. I'd love a day when I could not have to think about where's my mask and is it a clean one and all the rest. But the masks clearly are part of it if we're maybe 8, eight to 10% ahead of them, but they're having that big of a problem with their opening, how they're interacting, and the fact they went two and a half months without masks. No, and I, the, the masks, I think, are a, a part of this, but also is how we're allowed to interact. Who's allowed to interact with one another in certain circumstances? That's got to be a big part of this equation as well. You go to a Winnipeg Blue Bomber game and nobody has a mask on. Some people are still wearing them, but everyone needs proof of vaccination. Well, they don't have that rule at Calgary Stampeder games. They didn't have that rule at Edmonton Elks games. Those are coming into effect now, but all summer? Those rules were not in effect anywhere. And here's something else that's troubling that came out of yesterday. And this is Dr. Verna Yu, who is the president and CEO of Alberta Health Services. We will be reaching out to other provinces to see if they have any available ICU space where Albertans could get the care that they need, as well as asking them if they have skilled frontline staff who may be willing to come to Alberta to assist us. We remain hopeful that it will not come to this, as we continue to add critical care capacity. So they're taking these steps to prevent the, the outright collapse of their health care system, Loren, and they're preparing to go through what we went through here in Manitoba. Yeah, and that's where we can't say, you know, any sort of I told you so, because we've been there before wondering yep. about why we weren't prepared for our capacity. So I, we don't, I don't want to get into, huh, wow, I can't believe you're there. We were there before. We've been there. We have put a request into shared health to ask are we part of that equation? Do we even have the staff to think about going there? Do we even have the beds in Manitoba to help out in this situation? Other provinces helped us out. Are we here now for others? Or are we also in our own holding pattern? That's a question for our provincial leaders this morning. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb coming up after Global News at 7 o'clock. We were talking about 6.15, about the third dose that you can get in Manitoba. Well, we're going to talk to a travel expert about seeking that shot for travel purposes. And in our next segment, 
Maybe you want to travel to the Arctic because scientists are looking to resurrect the woolly mammoth Mm-mm. and unleash it in the Arctic. Don't do Possibly it. Possibly go wrong. <laughs> Which animal would you resurrect from extinction? If you could, we'll talk about that <laughs> in our next segment. But right now, yeah, it's like they, you know, they keep bringing up trying to create artificial intelligence. They want to bring back these, like, does nobody watch movies? Do these scientists not watch movies? Because everything that happens in the movies is going to come true. Art right, imitates right. life and often life imitates art. And it's scary when the, when the latter happens, that's for sure. That was the other guy. These guys are going to get it right. Okay? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. So in March, we told you how Facebook was intending to launch a special version of its Instagram app for children under the age of 13. Oh, and I think that made many parents and people right around the world cringe. It seemed like a really bad idea at the time, especially for the experts we spoke to. Well, yesterday, the Wall Street Journal published a report which says Facebook's own research shows Instagram is harmful to a certain percentage of teenagers. Here's the quote. 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse. That's from the researcher's report. Facebook also reportedly found that 14% of boys in the U.S. said Instagram made them feel worse about themselves as well, Greg. Yeah, and just to give you an idea of how important young people are to Instagram, 40% of Instagram users are under the age of 22. Natalia Kusikova is a professor of reading and early childhood development at the University of Stavanger in Norway. She researches children's use of media and technologies. And Natalia joins us now. Good morning, Natalia. Hi, good morning to you. We appreciate you taking some time with us. You are You run regular workshops. Uh, based on the research that I've done about you, with teachers and parents interested in effective uses of children's digital books, tablets, and multimedia in early years with a focus on publishers and app producers interested in digital personalization. Before we get into the Instagram part of this, is it digital devices that are the enemy or in the example of Instagram, is it the applications themselves which are the issue? It's the application themselves, or I would go even further and say it's the use of personal data by these applications. So give me some examples of that. So the applications themselves. So Instagram, is that on the list for you, Natalia? Yes, it is. These platforms are using personal data and algorithms that are really sending young people into a spiral of harmful experiences. And the sad reality is that um, these platforms are deliberately designed to keep young people engaged. Because every time you post a photo, every time you share a piece of news about you, it's a personal data point that these algorithms by these platforms use to amplify and send you down the harmful spiral, unfortunately. Now, in the movie that came out earlier this year, uh, The Social Dilemma, on Netflix, the inventors of these apps admitted to being absolutely addicted to them, and they say in the movie how they wanted to separate themselves from these products that they were creating themselves. So how do parents and kids even have a chance? Like, is the answer no social media? That wouldn't be the answer, I'm afraid. Uh, You know, the research is saying that it's 
it's pretty much a mixed bag of feelings when we ask young people what they think about social media. Because on one hand, they get a lot of connection. They can see their friends are there and the latest news are there. But on the other hand, if young people have some problems, if they have some issues and difficulties, then these become amplified on social media. They become more and more um, harmful for them if they're suffering from depression or anxiety. So we cannot just simply remove the social media, but we have to design them in a better way. So is it inherent upon uh, the designers and uh, regulators to make sure that the design includes some of these things that, that might help protect our kids, uh, parents? Uh, what are we to do? What advice do you have before we let you go, Natalia? We all play a part. Uh, what we are doing right now is very important already, that we are calling out Facebook and saying this is not okay to hold back evidence of harm and not to do anything about it. So media campaigns, um, working with designers, working with parents to show them alternative ways of using social media, using them together with young people so that they understand the implications and making sure that we develop legislation that stops Facebook from this harmful content. Natalia Kusirkova is Professor of Reading and Early Childhood Development at University of Stavanger. That's in Norway, which is where she joined us from this afternoon across the Atlantic Ocean. Thank you so much for this, Natalia. I hope we can reach out to you again in the future. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye. This indeed is like, there is so much. listening to this. Sorry, Brad. I just, I felt sick just thinking about, you know, people being sad by looking at a photo. There is so much like it's the body image issue isn't just for young people. I get body image issues looking at Instagram with all the fitness stuff, uh, whether it's male or female. It just seems that Mm -hmm. half of Instagram is focused on just being hot. And if you don't fall into that, what what does that do to your self-worth? I will. Like I said, sometimes it kind of it's like, maybe I shouldn't be eating these this box of cheese at crackers right now. Uh, But I'm a 43 year old man. If you're a 13 year old, um, just like that, when I watched that uh, documentary, just heartbroken seeing the effect it has on kids. Greg. Yeah, social dilemmas. Uh, If you're a parent, you should see it. You should watch it with your kids. Hey, being 13 in 1982 was difficult enough without all this technology and this ability to be connected to our friends all the time. I'm trying to empathize with my kids and what they're dealing with right now. It it can't be easy. It must be just about impossible to, to be positive about yourself at times. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, hey, we were just talking about Instagram, and we're going to revisit that topic uh, a little bit later on. Uh, not to make light of what we were just talking about, but we'd love for you to follow us on Instagram. We're almost at 8,500 followers at 680CJOB, and I've been just working to update our story in between uh, segments, and the one that I just posted has to do with what we're going to talk about right now. We got a chance for you to win two tickets to see the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's presentation of Bluegrass Symphony featuring the new sounds at the Centennial Concert Hall uh, running this weekend. The tickets are for this weekend's show. And when I heard this story and read this story at globalnews.ca, <laughs> I just thought this is insane. They, scientists want to resurrect the woolly mammoth. They think that they there's a company called Colossal. They raved $15 million with the goal of creating elephant 
woolly mammoth hybrids that will one day roam wild in Canada's Arctic. I guess no one watches movies like Jurassic Park. So, which animal, just for fun, let's talk about which animal would you resurrect from extinction and why? 204-780-6868. Jim Toth, why don't we start with you filling in for Cam Poitras and sports? I, I don't really know where to go with this. Yeah? This is, this is, actually I do. I would like the woolly mammoth to come back. If we're going to do this. Okay. Because when I was a kid, one of my favorite animals, well, to this day, is the elephant. So the woolly mammoth is along that species, I think. And I, I love everything about elephants. I think they're super cool. Um, so I would go with this woolly mammoth if we're going to do this. But like you, I like movies. Uh-huh. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, do we not have a disease we could put this money towards to try and cure? Do we not have, like, we're going to recreate this? I don't... Um, I, I thought you were kidding when you sent me this article, and then I read it twice, and I'm like, "Are these? Who are these people? <laughs> what are they doing?" And to steal a line from Seinfeld, they're contributing nothing to society. Yeah, yeah, they're just—I uh, don't know. But hey, I mean, if you had a woolly mammoth, you could probably make yourself a pretty badass. Oh uh, parka. man, <laughs> I would like to get a '70s van with me shirtless, holding a sword, riding a woolly mammoth on the side of it. <laughs> And I would drive that van around Winnipeg, and I'm like, the woolly mammoth is not back, but these vans are, baby. You don't need the van. Just ride the woolly mammoth down the street. Wow. I don't think I could, uh, I don't think I could tame him. <laughs> Jeff, Ron, what about you? <laughs> the problem with Jurassic Park was that they brought the carnivores back. So if we just stick to the veggie sources, oh, yeah. it yeah. might not be so bad. And in that vein, I would actually choose the brontosaurus because... Uh, whenever I watched the Flintstones growing up and they'd be having a giant brontosaurus burger, I always thought, God, that looks really tasty. I'd like to try one of those. So I'm bringing the same, bring back the brontosaurus just for the meat. Bring, bring it back to bring kill it. Bring it back so we can kill it. Yeah, that's great. That's right. mm-hmm. uh, Loren, what about you? I wish I would love to know what Jeff is. It Goldblum, who is the, the doctor in the Jurassic Park, who's always like, you scientists never stop thinking about... You thought you could do it, not, not should you do it. He was so angry the whole time. I'd love to know what he thinks about this venture, even though it was a fictional <laughs> character. Um, the dodo bird. And then you could stop saying it's gone the way of the dodo bird, and you'd have to say, like, it's gone the way of the passenger <laughs> pigeon or something like that. You'd have to come up with a whole new phrase. But maybe I don't even know what the dodo ba- bird's good for, quite Maybe frankly, if it came but- back, Loren, you could do the now the coming back part would be the way of the dodo bird. It would be the same saying, just a different meaning. Oh, it's the gr- in in- Instead of sliced bread, we could say it's the greatest thing since the return of the dodo bird. Bird. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I think for me, I'd go with uh, like a Triceratops just because that would be fun to ride, I would imagine. Plus, yeah. like if you're stuck in traffic, that Triceratops <laughs> can just push the, everything out of the way. Right? Are they fast? Flying cars? I think, well, I think they're fast enough to, to move a car. I don't know what a Triceratops would have weighed. I'll have top, to do. But they got, yeah, they got the big horns, the tusks. I'm going with Pterodactyl. Because you just strap a seat on there and boom, you got there yourself you go. your, your own oh. airplane. You can fly around. And go. nobody's going to screw with you when you have a pterodactyl. That's true. Yeah, you know what? You've, you've got me beat there. I took the try. I was going for the ground efficiency, but you've got the, when you've got the, the gift of flight, you know, your, your, your pterodactyl could just live on your balcony. That's right. Just hop on it and boom, I'm gone. Vacation, man. Vacation. 
I just got a text from a friend who wants the Palomino Cougar to come back <laughs> oh, no. post-pandemic. Yes. I don't know what that is, but that's they said post-pandemic they want to see the return of the Palomino Cougar. Well, the the, the pal's open again, <clears throat> so it sounds like it was a good party on uh, Saturday. By the way, the Triceratops weighs six to twelve thousand kilograms, so yeah. I think, I think that would through. that would push but, away my <laughs> Chevrolet Cruze. But Brett, it only goes thirty-two kilometers per hour. I don't know how they know that based on never having seen one live, but they've done studies, so. You'd get through the traffic and then just block the traffic slowly walking your way down the street. <laughs> what, I, what, I, what I didn't get from this article, maybe you guys can help me, is, is how they're going to do this. Like, how, what are they doing? They raise this money, and then how does it actually... Do you really want to know? Do I have to watch Jurassic Park again? Like, what did they do? They had eggs, right? Well, they had the blood from a mosquito that had been uh, encapsulated in an amber. And that's how it all oh. started. They were able to withdraw the DNA of the dinosaurs... Uh, from the uh, from the blood in the mosquito, they've collected viable DNA samples and are editing the genes that will oh. allow this wonderful megafauna to once again thunder through the Arctic. So they've got some sort of cutting edge gene editing no. techniques. Uh, they, their goal is to make a cold resistant elephant, but it is going to look and behave like a mammoth. Um, Mackling, what about you? Well, you know, here we are talking about Jurassic Park. Has no one seen Sesame Street? I think they already brought it back. It's called Snuffleupagus. Did they, yeah. did so they bring think, back Snuffleupagus? No, they brought... Don't you think that's what Snuffleupagus... Isn't that what this hybrid of an elephant and a woolly mammoth would look like? I think they're wasting their money. I think it already exists, Snuffleupagus. But the animal that I would bring back, my kids are bugging me for a cat, so how about a saber-toothed tiger? Oh, all right. <laughs> That'd be a badass cat. <laughs> and I'm thinking with all this gene manipulation, they could, uh, you know, impart some kindness and some gentle uh, fragility within the cat. I think it, it could be like a like a menu, you know. Do you want this cat to be mean? Do you want to be kind? You know, all these sorts of different things. So, saber tooth tire. Well, look Here, at tiger, look at Ice tiger, Age. Don't kill me. Here, yeah. tiger, 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 what? tiger. Oh yeah, if you had, yeah, you could. Was it Dennis Leary who voiced the saber tooth tiger? Yes, it was. Oh, imagine so. Imagine you could talk to your cat in the voice of, oh, with the voice of Dennis go. Leary. Didn't Chris Rock once say that tiger didn't attack someone? The tiger just tigered. That's what tigers do. <laughs> They don't. They're not attacking. They're just being a tiger, yeah. just being themselves. Yeah. Like you said, there's no shark attacks either until the shark knocks on your door and beats you up. That's a shark <laughs> attack. If you're swimming in the ocean, a shark's just doing what a shark does. Candy Graham, Candy Graham. Man. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Sharp uh, saber tooth tiger too would be handy. You know, if you can't like, if you can't open something and just get, you know, you get up. I, I don't know if any of you do this, but sometimes I, if I'm trying to open something, I just get fed up and I'll just like puncture it. I think that I had that happened to me with a can of soup because it was when I had packed up my house and I was trying to get into a can of soup and I realized my can opener was on a box somewhere. So I think I used a, a, a knife to get into this thing. I'm sitting on the floor. So if I had a saber tooth tiger, I'd just say, hey. Get over here. Like the Flintstones, how is it that they had the cans, but they didn't have the technology to open the cans? They had to call the saber-toothed tiger to the window to <laughs> open the can. So here's what we need from you. Which animal would you resurrect and why? Or if you want to go the other way, which animal should stay dead and buried? 204-780-6868 for your chance to win tickets for the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra's presentation of Bluegrass Symphony featuring the new sounds at the Centennial Concert Hall. And it feels good to say stuff. The symphony is happening at the Concert Hall once again this weekend. We'll give the tickets away just after 9.15.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mysterious media notice from the province. Lorenlin, did you see this? Premier Kelvin Gertzen speaking today at 10 o'clock. Uh, the topic uh, that is uh, flagged on this news release is simply media availability. Yeah, and I actually, you know, I don't, I try not to speculate with these things. I think this might just be him making himself available to the media. There's work to be done with, you know, speaking again to Manitobans and talking to Manitobans and answering their questions. So I am thinking that's all this is. It'll be a chance to just ask him about a variety of issues and not some sort of Jason Kenny type newser that fell down the, the 6 p.m. Uh, newscast yesterday for all of Alberta when they announced that uh, they were wrong on the pandemic and introducing all sorts of different kind of measures and restrictions and all the rest. I think this is just him answering questions. That's just my speculation right now. I've been wrong a kajillion times before. And Greg, I, I like mixed text on the subject. Which animal would you bring back? Would you resurrect from extinction? And Mick is going full-blown fantasy on this. He says, bring back the unicorns. Place your bets <laughs> on them at the racetrack and then use Pegasus as a mode of transportation. I loved Mix. I was laughing at it. I haven't had a chance to respond so many good uh, questions and answers on this one and uh here's a question with an answer from one of our listeners if there ever was one i'd like to resurrect an honest politician (laughs) (laughs) keep them coming 204-780-6868 for a chance to win tickets to see the symphony we'll give them away just after 9 15 now want to continue the conversation on third doses of the COVID-19 vaccine, which will now be offered, Loren, to some Manitobans. Yeah, so first on the list, as we've been telling our listeners, are the immunocompromised. So you can go to our website, cjob.com, for details. But that would, you know, potentially include people who are receiving chemo for cancer or people who were born with uh, dysfunction to their immune system. Also on the list are people who might want to head out of country but have received a combination of doses that aren't acceptable elsewhere. So, for example... You may have had an AstraZeneca-Moderna combo and might be looking to double up on that Moderna dose, either for travel or potentially just peace of mind, Greg. Yeah, so like it or not, which dose do you have is a question that is being asked in some countries. Even some cruise ship lines are asking it. Marty Firestone is a travel, travel insurance expert. Marty, thanks for joining us again on The Start. Thank you for having me. So what are you hearing from would-be travelers? Uh, These questions, common, not so common, what's happening? Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm hearing is people who have concerns about immunity levels from getting these shots when they went down south back in February, way ahead of the queue, that are now thinking that my immunity is running low, and they are even hearing stories of people with double vaccination that are getting COVID again. So their desire to run south again to get a third booster strictly driven because they think immunity wears off. This whole concept that we're talking about today about wanting to get the third shot so that you have no longer mixed, but you have two of one kind, this is a whole other uh, scenario that's just really come up the last couple of weeks. Meaning you're hearing, are you hearing from people who are wondering about where they can and can't go? And, and with that, Marty, how are you as a travel uh, insurance expert keeping track of all the different rules in various jurisdictions, countries, cruise ship lines, concerts and all the rest? Yeah, it's it's an incredibly fluid situation. Being involved at the insurance end, which is what I do, I can only attest to the fact that the insurance company will insure you. You don't need to buy additional COVID insurance. It's included in the contract now if you are fully vaccinated. This whole idea now of what countries, 
what cruise ships will now accept mixed vaccines or need you to have two of the same kind or don't recognize the COVID shield one that's produced in India. It's, it's absolutely confusing. Half the time, I really tell my clients they've got to check with the country, check with the travel agent, just get everything in front before they go because they could be in for a rude awakening. And what are you hearing from those like me with two AstraZeneca doses? I'm Astro Boy in this uh, Manitoba scenario. Am I and the rest of us who are double-dosed with AZ, are we still hooped? You know, I haven't seen restrictions for my kind of clients that are strictly snowbirds traveling, you know, south to Florida or Arizona and things like that. AstraZeneca is accepted, so there's not a problem. But the big fear, and as I said earlier, is people are concerned they need the third booster shot, not because they had mixed vaccines, not because they had AstraZeneca, but because they worry that their immunity level is starting to wane and there is a chance, even with both vaccines, that they could contract and get COVID again. So, Marty, while we have you here, before we let you go, with regard to COVID-19 and making sure you have the appropriate coverages, has the insurance industry caught up to where we're at in terms of COVID and and making sure if I get somewhere and contract COVID, I'm not going to be on the hook for millions of dollars worth of potentially life-saving health care costs? Yes, they have. And and I'll tell you why they have. Insurance is all about risk. And when you think about it, now that if you're double vaccinated, even if you should contract COVID, it could be mild flu-like case symptoms, not an ICU and not sitting on a ventilator. So their concern and risk has come down tremendously. So yes, you can travel without any concern that if you have proper travel insurance, you will be looked after and all costs associated with COVID will be picked up. There'll be no issue whatsoever. All right, Marty Firestone joining us live on 680 CJOB, a travel insurance expert. Thank you very much for your time, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take care. Yeah, so it just uh, looks like uh, you know, some kind. It, it really, and he said it's a fluid situation. It really mm. depends on where you're going. It could be they don't accept the mis- the mixed dose. It could be a specific combination of a mixed dose. Like I see, it looks like there are some countries that are okay with AstraZeneca and an mRNA, but not uh, Pfizer-Moderna combo. Uh, if you got this specific Covishield AstraZeneca one, which is from India, some places aren't accepting that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I double-checked mine last night, and, and indeed it says Covishield AstraZeneca for both. Um, so I'm just glad that I'm, I'm not uh, a travel bug, so to speak. Uh, I would like to see Western Canada. I'd like to see Eastern Canada. As long as I can stay in Canada, I'm good. Yeah, you're good. Hit the road, man. You got it. Flash that AZ card proudly. <laughs> I will. I every time a, I get to use make a it. Tat, get a tattoo, man. Oh, uh, like just tattoo the QR code. Az. Oh, <laughs> and then people will think you're like an Arizona fan. You know, somebody suggested that I should get a T-shirt made with Astro Boy oh. on it, but change the lettering to Astra Boy. Astro yeah. Boy. I saw someone in uh, BC who's decided to put his QR code on a T-shirt. So he doesn't have to keep yes. pulling out his card or his phone. <laughs> That's right. That's I don't know how smart dirty. that is, but. Yeah, because we heard, I think it was in, I can't remember if we heard it in the shift or in one of Jeff Braun's newscasts, but they're saying don't make it your lock screen. Because you know that if you're looking for a screenshot, it can be cumbersome to find it, but don't make it your lock screen uh, because that could be a problem. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you, based on the fact that scientists at a private company wants to create a hybrid elephant, woolly mammoth animal, and unleash it into the Arctic, what animal would you resurrect? (laughs) 
That's in the headline, I think. No, I know. Just the word unleash. Like, even if the, the, just the, it paints the That's picture not the of. intention. You know, like, it's like he's in the back of a cage and they're going to be standing on top of it and just a bunch of guys around with rifles and slowly, slowly. And then that thing's not going to rush out. It's a woolly mammoth. It'll be boom, 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 boom. And what's it going to do in the Arctic? Just it's like it's just going to roam. Yeah, roam the snow. I hear all the, alone. I, it's like I hear, it's sad for this woolly mammoth. I hear the AW root bear music in the background as yeah. he's kind of coming out of that cage <laughs> for the first time, not really <laughs> sprinting for anything. One of our listeners wanted to know if the woolly math, mammoth could provide meat. Uh, sort of along the lines of Jeff Braun's thoughts, uh, uh, a brontosaurus burger and uh, bringing back the brontosaurus as a source of food. So I did a little Google search. This is not scientific, but I asked, uh, does elephant meat taste good? And apparently elephant meat is uh, thought to taste similar to beef or veal, but has been noted that elephant tastes gamier than its domestic counterparts as a result tastes mildly of pork, but has more robust flavor than beef or lamb because its muscles get less exercise. The taste is often compared to venison. Oh, wow. What's venison again? Deer. Ah, okay. Why don't they just say deer? Why don't they say venison? Isn't it? I'm looking that up now. I said that so quickly. No, but I think you're right. Because I remember when I... Yeah, deer. It's from deer. Deer game. Okay. Uh, I... Deer game is good. I like deer, and I've had elk. That was good. I would not eat a woolly mammoth or an elephant, <laughs> just if that's where we're taking this now. What would you not eat? There. New game. I'd hate to bring back an animal just to slaughter it. Yes, come on. Although I guess someone could say, but so you're okay with that current animals being slaughtered, but you bring back? It's like, it's like the mm-hmm. Dennis Leary comedy routine where it's like, what are you? I'm an otter. What do you do? I swim around on my back and do cute little <laughs> an- human things with my hands. You're free to go. What are you? I'm a cow. Get on the truck. So <laughs> no yes. cure for cancer. That's the name of that show from like 1992. Yeah, the cuteness factor, <clears throat> right, as to whether or not we'll eat you or not. <laughs> Small town salute, and this week we want to tell you to take a hike because Trans Canada Trail <laughs> is proud to launch its second annual Great Canadian Hike. That wasn't very neighborly, Brett McGarry. Ah. Running September 15th through October 31st, the Great Canadian Hike is a national challenge that encourages people to get out into nature and embrace their local trails in the company of friends, family, and Lorraine. Fellow Canadians. And they've set a goal to maybe, you know, leave your phone at home or your smartphone or whatever you do because they're really trying to get you to disconnect from your screens, it says, reconnect to nature and one another on this 28,000-kilometer Trans-Canada trail system that runs coast to coast. It's a long hike, probably not realistic. You're not going to do 28,000 kilometers, but lots of people like to get out. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. And if you need some hiking ideas, Tristan Field-Jones is CJOB's resident intrepid wilderness explorer, and he joins us now. Hi, TFJ. Hey, Loren. Hey, guys. So you, uh, you're, you're, you've you done this for a while now. You like to get out there and explore Manitoba. What's the most recent place you've been or recent hike you've been on? 
Yeah, and uh, re most recently, granted it's technically not in Manitoba, but I'm pretty sure most of us consider northwestern Ontario to be Manitoba adjacent. Uh, but I recently went to Rushing River, uh, which is not far from Kenora, very popular spot there. Uh, lots of nice little trails to see, and the falls and the rapids are just uh, incredible. Uh, that's the most recent place. Uh, in terms of, uh, it's funny you mentioned the Trans-Canada Trail because it's one of those trails where, especially in the white shell, it, it kind of meanders through so many little spots that you don't actually quite realize unless you're really paying attention that, oh, I'm actually hiking on the Trans-Canada Trail. And there's a lot of places uh, in the white shell where you can, uh, uh, you can hike bits of it. I will say this because a lot of the hikes that I go on tend to be more moderate to advanced. And I know, especially if you're taking part in this particular challenge with Trans-Canada Trail, you might just want something that's a little bit easier. So one of the places I can recommend in terms of that, uh, if you want to get out of the city, uh, there's the Trans-Canada Trail uh, that follows one of the highways in the South White Shell. And it's really handy. Obviously, you need a park pass if you're going to the White Shell. But uh, there's this great place called the Nighthawk Cafe. It's just as you get into West Hawk Lake uh, off the Trans-Canada. And there's <laughs> a little... Tristan, of course, Tristan focuses immediately on the food. <laughs> there, there it is. He knew you were here, Brett. <laughs> well... I mean, the, the food is delicious, and if any of you are in, in the uh, West Hawk area, I highly recommend the Nighthawk Cafe, but you can probably pick any restaurant there, and they're all great. Um, but um, uh, if you go into the parking lot there, uh, part of the Trans-Canada Trail is right there, and it's it kind of follows the highway. Part of it goes right along uh, West Hawk Lake, and it's that section, it's a, it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's pretty easy for people to do. And I've seen families on there uh, doing just that small section. And again, what's great is that, you know, you can go for as long as you want on that part of it. So that is one one place where I'd recommend uh, if you wanted to check out the Trans-Canada Trail, but you didn't want something too challenging. I think that's a great place. There's parking, there's food, and it's... Excuse me, and it's not too challenging. All right, some people are yelling at the radios right now. What are Tristan's credentials on this? Just how many hikes has Tristan taken? Uh, how many how many hikes have you done this year, buddy? Uh, this year, if we're talking individual trails, dozens for sure. Uh, if we're talking like the number of days I've been out hiking, um, probably a dozen, maybe more than that even. Yeah, I, I'd need to. It's it's been almost every weekend. Let's say that. Yeah, well, your social media is impressive. Uh, what's your handle, by the way? Is it Tristan FJ ninety on uh, Instagram? Yeah, so yeah, that's on Instagram and on you know on Twitter where I sometimes post pics. It's it's at Tristan FJ, but again on on Instagram, that's where most of my hiking pictures go. Yeah, great uh, video and uh, pictures on his social media. It's just extraordinary stuff. You find all these wonderful spots. And it's a great eye-opener because I think sometimes people feel like, you know, if you want to do something cool, you have to leave the borders of your province or the borders of your country. And there's you've, you find all kinds of cool stuff right in our backyard. So are you going to take in some of this great Canadian hike? I think so. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I was thinking... And again, because it's going to be so nice this weekend, that leaves so many options because on weekends that are, you know, maybe mediocre, you might stay closer to the city to do that. I'm not sure yet where I'm going to go. 
Um, although one thing I, I, I will say is that if you do want to actually hike part of the Trans-Canada Trail, but you don't necessarily want to get too far out of the city, um, in Charleswood, there's the Hart Trail, which is part of the Trans-Canada Trail, um, and that used to be a former rail line. It's, uh, again, pretty easy to do. It's basically a straight line, but it's really, really nice because it's sections are really covered in trees and then you can walk uh, along fields you'll often see deer out there and you can keep going like it goes beyond the perimeter into Headingley into uh, all those areas and uh, yeah so it goes into that so if you wanted to hike the Trans Canada Trail that's one possible option pretty easy for people to uh, access um, and you know you can eat, eat honestly what I did is I googled a map I just looked up Trans Canada Trail map and you'd be amazed at how many places where it just kind of snakes through and uh, uh, again you, if you're wondering whether or not you are on the Trans Canada Trail often you'll see a little blue arrow that points you in a direction it's like a, a diamond shaped sign that's blue and it has a white arrow on it how, how have these, what are these done? You know, like there's obviously physical benefits. It's really cool to go out, out and see other spaces, but they talk about the idea that, you know, people need to disconnect from their screens, get out of their houses. We spent a lot of time at home in the last year and a half. I'm just curious how they've done, like what, obviously the nature and what you see keeps you going, Tristan, but how about just the mental health aspect? Yeah, and it's, it's funny because, you know, during the pandemic, um, uh, during the pandemic, it was really important, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people to get out, especially, you know, from a practical perspective where the gyms were closed. Um, but, you know, one of the big indicators for me that that showed me just how important this was, was when the hiking trails were closed earlier this year because of the conditions. It was so dry and the, the wildfires were getting so out of control that it they had to close all the trails and I kind of realized at that moment what am I going to do like you, you, you could walk in the city and there's tons of great trails within Winnipeg uh, or just outside but I, I kind of looked at that and thought yikes this really really sucks fortunately those closures only lasted for a few weeks but it was one of those things where you don't realize just how beneficial it can be to just be in nature you know, and to see, you know, a cool rock formation or to see a nice stream or to see wildlife, um, you, you know, and, and again, you can get all sorts of variety. I mean, when, when you think of where we are right now, like from where I'm sitting, you know, within two hours, I can go to sand dunes, I can go to the Canadian Shield, I can go to a place called Steep Rock where the water is green, and I can go to the Pemina Valley, which looks like it comes from a movie you know, with the, those classic kind of rolling hills. And so there's tons of variety just from where we are. And the fact is, just being able to explore part of that does wonders in terms of, you know, that that adventure that I think is always inside of us of trying to find these places and exploring something, something new. So, you know, Loren, when it comes to mental health, I just think that that, just that aspect of getting out, being active, being somewhere where you may normally not be active, I think just that on its own does wonders. Tristan Field-Jones, I've never been happier to tell you to take a hike. Aww.
Oh, thank you, Brad. You should you should join me one of these days. I'd love that. I'd love that. Tristan Field Jones, thank you so much for joining us. He wears many hats around here, including an award-winning documentary maker. But uh, right now, he is our resident explorer, and you can get more information at greatcanadianhike.ca to register. Uh, last year, over ten thousand Canadians took part. Combined distance of one hundred eight thousand kilometers. That's almost three times the Earth's circumference. Pretty cool. One of our listeners, Karen, just texting in saying that you need to look for and explore on the website. This is for you, Tristan, and for our listeners. My cousin just completed the entire Trans-Canada Trail in six years. Wow. Diane Whalen is her name. 500 Days in the Wild. If you Google that, there's a film being made. There's a uh, there's a trailer for the film available online. Check it out. I saw the feature on Diane yesterday of all hmm. times on the Weather Network yesterday. Yesterday. Wow. Right on. Good way to go, Diane. That's amazing. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca call 204 987 6890. Question that went up yesterday afternoon mail in voting is getting more popular. How did you vote, or how do you plan to vote in Monday's election? Uh, overwhelming, 93% say in person, uh, 3.5% by mail because of the pandemic, and 3.5% say by mail because it's easier. You can cast your vote there at tjob.com, but we will be changing the question soon to a topic we're going to revisit after 8.30 on Instagram and its harmful effect on teenagers. But right now... The question is, will we see anything change on the political landscape come Election Day? Four sleeps to Election Day, Brad. You're counting them, I know, right? Can't yes. wait. Can't wait. Election, baby. <laughs> yeah, I love the election. I uh, know some people aren't into it. Some people are. But here's where we're at, right? For weeks now, many voters, almost all, have, have asked the question at some point, do we need to be going to the polls right now, particularly in a pandemic? And so when we get to Election Day, people will be wondering, in the end of all of this, will we actually see anything change? The polls show Liberals and Tories are neck and neck, but will it just be status quo in the end here in Manitoba? That horse race could see some ridings flip. And Mary Agnes Welsh, partner at Probe Research, has been taking a look at the numbers from both 2019 and now and is here to walk us through some of the ridings to watch. Good morning, Mary Agnes. Good morning. I was just reading some articles this morning, and I've heard this a few times. You know, outside Manitoba, pundits and analysts will say, oh, nothing's going to change much on the prairies. But that's not the case. There are a few ridings here that are really close. What are you looking at right now? Yeah, I think uh, most of these, uh, you know, as unfortunately as usual, most of the interesting ones are in Winnipeg. And I think from the start, we all sort of turned our eyes towards Charleswood St. James um, as maybe one that, especially if liberal fortunes were really strong nationally, that's maybe one that could flip. Maybe uh, Doug Aylison, the former MP liberal, could steal it back from uh, Marty Morantz. Um, the Tory current Tory MP, um, I, I both 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 parties are like given her in that neck of the woods, and I think it's it's probably too close to call. Um, I I'm, I might maybe be a little less interested in that, you know, as being a flip now that the Tories are doing better, sort of federally. 
Um, and then the other one, you know, and everyone calls it a bellwether, you know, um, the, you know, uh, it's Winnipeg South, the uh, Liberal MP Terry Duguid, been there for a little while. Um, and the, 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 his challenger in that riding maybe isn't as, as well known as a uh, candidate, um, but that is always one that the Tories uh, are always eyeing as maybe one that they would feel is kind of a natural fit for them because it is more suburban. Flip side to that, though, is it's also remarkably diverse in Winnipeg South. All of those new developments in Bridgewater Forest, there's a lot of diversity there, and that could favor the Liberals. So those are sort of the two that I'm kind of watching on election night, always with the caveat that, like, as I have learned, there's always a, whoa, did not see that one coming on election night. And so I'm always wondering what that might be that might be the real surprise. The contest a lot of people will be watching is Alliance at Packers, Monday Night Football. Monday, any predictions on that one, Mary Agnes? Or? Like you, like zero. Okay. Like we're 100% talking to the wrong person on that one. <laughs> okay, well, we'll ask you about the PPC then. <laughs> what effect or impact do you think the PPC might have on this election? Their support has been slowly growing. Uh, some polls showing them with as much as uh, 10% of the overall uh, support across the country. Yeah, and if you'd asked me this question, you know, especially kind of in the Manitoba context, early on in the campaign, I would have said, meh, probably not a huge impact. We saw this last time in the last election with uh, Stephen Fletcher running for the PPC in that sort of far west Winnipeg, Charles with St. James riding, and it didn't have a huge effect. It didn't siphon votes away from Marty Morantz, the Tory. This time, I kind of, I'm a little bit surprised at the, like, sort of the enthusiasm and um, maybe the number of signs that I'm seeing, the rallies, you know, um, sort of the anti-mask mandate and Ben-Vax mandate rallies. Um, and I, I think the common wisdom is, is that in some of those really tight races, um, perhaps in Ontario, maybe a couple here, that the PPC will be a factor. And it probably will allow for a liberal win in a few, in a few ridings. What about the NDP? Could the NDP end up cancelling out some uh, potential liberal votes with people turning away from Justin Trudeau to somebody like Jagmeet Singh? Yeah, no, I think the, the place that we always kind of, that that, you know, we always sort of, think of as a, as a good example of that is the Transcona riding in Manitoba. And that, that could happen a little bit across the country. I think NDP, the NDP's numbers aren't great. Jagmeet Singh hasn't run the kind of, like, you know, campaign that, that really it just didn't quite catch fire the way it did a little bit last time. Um, and I think, for example, you know, you kind of look at Transcona as this place where sometimes there's that, that the liberal vote siphons off votes from, from the NDP, uh, making it harder for Daniel Blakey, the NDP MP, to, to hold that seat. I don't see that as being a big factor this time. Um, and so I think we are talking about vote splitting or talking about strategic voting. Um, and I, it's hard to kind of tell exactly where that might have a real effect. Before we let you go, I'm just curious, you know, we talked a lot yesterday and today about the advanced voting numbers being way up. And people like to think sometimes that that's a signal of something, you know, when you get more people voting ahead of time, does that point to a wanting change or wanting the status quo? Is there any data to support what advanced voting means, Mary Ignis? Yeah, I think sometimes it, it, it supports a like voters are just cheesed and they're eager to get to the polls. The actual thing that I think it signals this time is two things. First, people just don't want to have, you know, like close quarters, long waits, a fuss on Election Day. Like me, I voted in advance for the first time in my whole life 
this time. But the second thing that happens, and this has happened through campaigns, uh, you know, for years now, grow in a growing way, is the campaigns themselves want to get that early vote locked in. And so there's a lot of organizational like movement to get people to go to the advanced polls. You know, here's the date. We're going to drive you. Here's how you do it. Please go do it. We're going to phone you till you freaking do it. Um, and that I think is also part of this this wave of advanced voting. It's been it's grown in the in the past, and now it's just really it's grown a lot this time. Mary Agnes Welch, partner at Probe Research. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Mackling McGarry McNabb just want to uh, read this text message from Jonathan on what we were just talking about, the harmful effect that Instagram has on teens, as shown in a leaked report uh, from Facebook. And Jonathan says, I just wanted to say that I really appreciated the discussion you just had this morning about Instagram and fakery. As an educator, I often hear the calls from people of an older generation that we should be teaching fundamentals in schools and job-related skills. Well... In this day and age, I think students should absolutely be learning about media awareness and digital literacy, especially as some are aspiring to have careers in the digital space. Jonathan, thank you for that. And uh, Greg, you mentioned Lorenz uh, boys want to be YouTubers. And that reminds me, a couple of years ago, or a few years ago, I remember looking at my uh, friends, kids, grade four yearbook that they made together. And uh, in the what do you want to be when you grow up, 75% of them wanted to be YouTubers. 75%. They all want a career in YouTube. It's the that's new- not going to happen. No. No. I, I want to be clear. That's like six on their list. It's just the, the fact that that even comes out of their mouth. They're still, you know, they still talk about being hockey players or archaeologists or police officers. But the fact that YouTuber, you know, could I be a YouTuber? Can I get it? How do you get a YouTube account? How do I become a YouTube host? I don't know. Thank God I don't know because I might, you know, I really don't know how to do it, Greg. But that we, we have to get our head around the fact that the world's changing. You could be a professional gamer. You could create game, video games. You could be someone who gets in these industries yeah. and have a great career. But what are the dangers with it? For sure. And our expert, Natalia, I think, said it best. You can, you can cut your kids off from this stuff as much as you want and think that that's a good idea. A, it's not practical. And B, it's not fair. So we have to learn how to live with it and demand that these that these uh, giants of industry in the technology space do better. And here's one final thought from Dave, just on another sneaky way that these apps interact with you. Dave says, how about this? Yesterday I said the PC candidate's name out loud when I read his postcard that came in the mail. Today, his Facebook page is appearing nonstop. Your phone is listening to you. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. We're giving away tickets for the symphony, Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, in our next segment, Bluegrass Symphony, featuring the new sounds, Centennial Concert Hall this weekend, based on your text messages on which animal you would resurrect from extinction. And we're going to talk, uh, we're going to head to Winkler in a moment. But before that, uh, another editorial note from that newscast I just read. We heard from the Association Vice President Rick Neufeld in the Grunthal Minor Hockey Association uh, suggesting that uh, the vaccination requirements might be uh, keeping kids out. If, that's the, if that is the case, if parents aren't putting their kids in sports because of those rules, like, is that not take? Like, what, aren't you hurting the kids that way? You're taking away their chance to play because you can't get into the building. 
Yes. Like, am I understanding that correctly? Yes. Okay. Does that if would you does that seem fair? No. I don't, I don't know. I guess if you believe in something enough and you think you're standing by principles or something, I suppose you're arguing that that's teaching your kids something. I'm just trying to I'm trying to get in the mindset of what we'd be doing. I'm glad you're doing it because I my can't. first my first reaction is <laughs> no. I hear you. My first reaction is come on, your kid can still play, and somebody else can, you know watch them while they're in there that's my first reaction but you know if you have if this is your conviction i, I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see the rationale there okay well anyway i sort of i ambushed you both of that so thank uh, but it, i think that th- that's kind of where my train of thought was that the, the bouncing i was trying to follow the bouncing ball but i couldn't quite see the direction it was bouncing so i just wanted to throw that out there as uh, some food for thought but in the meantime as reported yesterday by global news a woman says a man <sighs> A woman says a man tried to drive her off the road after she took photos of shoppers not wearing masks at a store in Winkler. The altercation is one of two Winkler police say officers have been called to over the use of masks in the southern Manitoba community in recent weeks. The woman told police she was confronted by two men after she started taking photos of people not wearing masks inside a store on August 30th. She says one of the men followed her out of the store and then tried to push her off the roadway with his vehicle, forcing her onto the shoulder as she drove away. So earlier this morning, uh, anchor of Global News Morning, Gabrielle Machan, spoke to Ryan Hunt. He's the chief of police in Winkler. And he wanted to break down what these calls were about and how they went. But he did have a bit of a caveat off the start. There's good people out here, uh, good, hardworking, generous people on both sides of the public health orders and on both sides of the vaccine issue. But this pandemic has definitely driven a wedge into our community. Uh, but back to your question, we've, yeah, we, uh, we recently got called to a couple of incidents here in Winkler with regarding uh, people either wearing masks and, um, you know, uh, angry with someone that's not. So the first one was a call from an incident at a store where somebody was, so somebody that was wearing a mask was uh, angry at somebody that not wearing a mask and they were bumping him into them with their shopping cart. And so we got called to that to diffuse that situation. Um, the other one we went to was um, somebody inside of a store that was wearing a mask, uh, taking pictures of people that, that uh, were, were not wearing masks. And uh, so then when that person left the store, the um, one of the uh, non-mask wearers, uh, followed them down the street and kind of forced them onto the shoulder of the road. And so a couple of incidents like that that are, it's it's concerning when it starts to escalate uh, uh, to that point. Sorry, guys, you have to wonder what it's like to be working in a community where you're encountering your friends, neighbors and relatives during these situations. I was just making some notes here, like part of the pushback on masks and these vaccine mandates is is the effect on the economy. And so how many people are going to other communities, people who will wear a mask and are vaccinated might be going to other communities to spend their money? Here's Chief Hunt again. It's a difficult atmosphere to police and um, generally when we're you know, you're enforcing the criminal code. You've got you've got 99% of the support of the public, but uh, with with enforcing the public health orders, it's the percentage wouldn't be nearly that high. And and so we um, yeah, we get phone calls at our office here from people uh, angry that we are 
phone calls and emails, angry that we're enforcing these laws, uh, the health orders at all. But we also get uh, angry phone calls and emails from people um, telling us we're not enforcing it enough. So it's it's just extremely divided, and it is a struggle for the officers. But but you know everybody's having a it's a tough time for everybody. Um, being in a pandemic is it's just it's not it's not fun for anybody. And there's businesses are having a difficult time, uh, and just individuals as well. So we're we're certainly not alone in that. I don't care where you are, if you're in Winkler, uh, Winnipeg, wherever, Whiteshell, if you are a spewing hatred into the world or negativity, regardless of what side of the coin you're on. One of my buddies, he went on Twitter and he pinned this tweet saying, "Uh, yes, I'm better than anti-vaxxers and blah, 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 tapestry of obscenity. And I looked at this and thought, who are you? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you accomplishing with that? But if you're driving your car into people over this... This vaccine issue and mask issue, all I have to say is what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, and you, we want to talk about having these respectful conversations or don't you see my side or where I'm coming from? And then it gets to that kind of point. I'm not even really sure. I understand the frustration. I'm trying to figure out what's going on in that person's mind that what somebody else is doing, especially the mask is not impacting your life at all. Like somebody else wearing a mask does not like it's I, mo- scientists would argue it's helping you. And preventing that person from spreading COVID to you if you're not wearing one. But it's not hurting you. There's no harm coming. And then you want to go harm someone else because you're so angry about what's going on. One of our listeners, Norm, just texted in. He says, uh, guys, I live halfway between Winnipeg and Winkler. I now do all my shopping in Winnipeg. Right. That's a fair point. Thank you, Norm, for the feedback. And you can weigh in, as always, at 204-780-6868. You can email... Mackling at cjob.com, McNabb at cjob.com, or Brett at cjob.com. Just a very quick follow-up. I can't remember who sent the the comment, but I mentioned that your phone can listen to what you say and then suggest ads for it. This is from Mike. He says, if you put your phone down, make sure it's face down. Then it won't listen to you too, uh, but it can still see you with the camera. So, well, heads up for that. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And we're asking you at 204-780-6868, which animal would you resurrect from extinction? Because there's this company called Colossal. They've got $15 million in funding to try some fancy science doodattery to create a hybrid elephant woolly mammoth. They want to bring back the woolly mammoth, and their their goal is to unleash it in the Arctic, even though, as Kat and Gimli says, uh, that's not their natural habitat, and they would die because they eat vegetation. Greg made me laugh. Greg, uh, Greg K., he says, the extinct animal I would like to resurrect is the Parteus animalius gregorius. He went extinct about 15 years ago when he paired up with the Buzzkilius maximus. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I've, I've been married for 17 years, though. Oh, never mind. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> okay. No, actually, in, in all, on all honesty, uh, my my Buzzkillus Maximus is not my wife. It, it is yours truly. So uh, my wife actually likes it when uh, Partius Animalus uh, Gregorius uh, makes an appearance. So uh, just to make that clear. 
Uh, we got a couple texts from people who, of course, went the opposite way, right? You know, texting about bringing back, uh, who, who was it, George the Animal Steel, yep. like in terms of the wrestler. Uh, someone talked about, text about bringing back the honest politician, and then someone responded saying, it's not the honest politician you want to bring back, it's the smart voter. And uh, Jason texted to say, I would resurrect a courteous driver, which had me laughing. <laughs> well, that's the assumption that it existed in the first place. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was good. Okay. And then uh, uh, Johnny had a good one, too. We got a lot of texts along these lines, uh, Loren. Yeah, Johnny said, Morning, everyone. I'd bring back the purple dinosaur. No, not Barney. Ever, ever. But Dino from the Flintstones. Is it Dino? Dino or Dino? Dino. Dino. He was a pretty sly dude when Fred was always in his presence. Yes. Lots of people were talking about the fake creatures. I think Greg said Snuffleupagus. Yeah, Snuffleupagus. You don't even need to bring back the uh, woolly mammoth. I think uh, the hybrid of the elephant woolly mammoth already existed on Sesame Street. So here's the deal. We haven't come to a consensus yet. We need to pick a winner. But I think we're going to have to hold it until 9.35 uh, because we were all sort of scrambling. during. I was had to scramble to read the news and uh, to, with, Jeff, with Jeff Braun's technical difficulty, so I didn't have time to review. That's usually where I do my, la- my last second dash. Mm. So we don't have a winner here. So we're going to give, okay. a, pick, give away the tickets. At, unless you guys have an obvious one. Well, like, Greg, like, is there one that jumps out I for like you? I like Jason's. I don't think we've read this one with regard to T-Rex. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's funny. Make him the winner. Just do it. Okay, go ahead and read it, Greg. <laughs> I'd like to see the T-Rex be brought back just to see him try to pick up things off the ground or even to see them try and smack mosquitoes off their backs. I love it. I love it because, here, and here's why. One of my buddies, I'm just going to call him RB, um, when he, and, you know, I'm not, I think we all might have our tics when we've had a little too much. I, if I have way too much, I tend to look like Frankenstein's monster the way I walk around. But he gets the T-Rex arms. Oh, short so can, arms. Yeah, so you can always tell when he's had too much, he gets the T-Rex arms. Um, and the T-Rex, like, such a menacing creature, but how do they end up with those awful tiny arms? Like, it's like nature's cruel joke. How do they shoot a three-pointer in Toronto? That's what I want to know. Maybe it was evolution balancing itself. Oh, that's a raptor, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jason, you win. Mackling McGarry and McNabb forgot to mention yesterday because we didn't have his name at the time of the prize, but we were talking about, we were celebrating comedy in the wake of the death of Norm Macdonald. And we got a text message. We asked you to tell us a joke and the winning joke. And absolutely, we played favoritism on this one. And we're not apologizing for it. The joke was, why did the radio DJ cross the road to CJOB? So we went with that one, a customized joke just for us. And it just so happened the winner's name was Norm. Norm Weeb. So congratulations to you, Norm. And we want to say uh, thank you to Jason who uh, won today's prize for the symphony but can't make it uh, this weekend, unavailable this weekend. So he said to pass it forward. So we're just looking for a suitable candidate for that. And before we talk about a really, shall we say, fuzzy downtown tour, uh, we do have a couple of text messages on the mask debate uh, from both sides of the equation, Loren. Yeah, we talked at 9 o'clock just about what was going on in Winkler, and there was this woman who had gone into a store with her mask on, some people not wearing masks, so allegedly started taking pictures of them, and then that caused some people in the store to be upset. They followed her out of the store uh, and tried to, according to police, push her off the road or at least kind of nudge the car onto the shoulder, Greg, or you know something like that. Well, one listener texted to say that they had an experience in Winkler shopping where they he asked his daughter to put on her mask, 
as she goes into the store as per the store mandate. A man near them became absurdly irritated and my wife intervened and then he mocked her. And so as they left the building, this man was in his car by then. He laid on his horn and forced them to yield to this driver on this crosswalk. And the, the texter said, this is a terribly angry young man. And, and so he's had that experience in Winkler on the mask equation. But this opposing text, we've been getting a lot of this too from people wondering, well, hang on. She was taking pictures of people. Was she not instigating the situation? Can you see that one, Greg? Yeah, listen to your bit on the problems in Winkler. I'm, full, Winkler, I'm fully vaccinated. Follow the rules. I'm a private person. And if I saw some stranger taking pictures of me and my family, I would definitely be after them about why they were doing that, including including pulling them over if they were trying to get away from me. Well, I'm going back and forth with this person, and I'm suggesting that people are simply tired of following the rules themselves and seeing others. This person was trying to acquire photographic evidence of somebody breaking said rules. Perhaps the intention was to send these pictures or a picture to authorities so that they could step in and say, hey, I have proof of people not following the public health orders. Can you help us out here? And this person did not like the fact that I equated the idea of sending video or a photograph of somebody vandalizing my car in my driveway or my home with my home security system and the same thing. All I'm trying to say is people are tired of seeing other people's not following the rules. They are, they're looking for proof in order to say, hey, you need to fix this. I understand it's ramping things up. Frustrations on both sides. Yeah, because the majority is vaccinated. The majority are following the rules and we're having to placate those who are not. Look at what's happening in Alberta. A lot of people super... I almost fell down the anger hole last night uh, just reading all the angry comments after what happened in Alberta with the new rules of people saying, I'm fully vaccinated. I followed the rules and now I got to go back into restrictions because a handful of people did not. So yeah, it's a... Look, it's a a frustrating divisive situation and uh, we will... We'll keep you up to date as more developments come in on whatever the situation is. But right now, we want to lighten it up with something here that's happening downtown. There's a good chance you've been talking about something to a friend, and they've said, hey, there's an app for that. Well, if you've ever wanted to take a tour with your dog, now you can say to someone... Hey, Greg, there's an app for that. Yeah, Downtown Winnipeg Biz is launching the Downtown Winnipeg Tour app. And tomorrow's first tour is called the Best Furry Friend Tour or, get this, Loren, you'll love this, BFF Tour. I'm super interested if they can also take my dog on the walk and then I can have a break. No, I'm kidding. So this tour, it sounds really cool and I think it will appeal to a lot of dog owners. It's narrated by Global's weather specialist, Kayla Evans, which is really great. And for more details on how this is all working, we're actually joined by Susan Ainley, a.k.a. Downtown Peggy. Good morning. Good morning. So great to speak to you all. Um, I love that you said we'll talk about something a bit fuzzy earlier. And so, (laughs) yes, that's exactly what we're going to do today. So, um, yeah, we started developing the app in the spring, thinking it would be great to launch sort of um, in June. 
Um, but having said that, then things started to open up when we got very, very busy with summer programming, which, and then it was very hot. So did you really want to be taking your dog on a walk downtown with all the concrete? You know, there's lots of green spaces, but let's face it, you know, it's, it can be a warm walk. It's a 7K walk. And what it does is it highlights different places to stop that are pretty. So we've got um, the Millennium Library as part of it, the park-like area around the legislative building, um, Chinese gardens in Chinatown. We've we taken some murals. Plus, we also highlight uh, some downtown businesses that ha- are dog-friendly, where you can bring your pet, um, some that are named after people's pets, and then others that also have dog treats. So you can take your dog on a walk, go shopping, grab a beer, have some ice cream, and do all these things with your best furry friend. Um, I think a lot of us got dogs during the pandemic, so this is just another thing you can get out and do with them. So uh, are the pet-friendly businesses that are highlighted on this tour, are they like always pet-friendly or is it just uh, as part of this tour? No, they're always pet-friendly. Yeah. So um, like, for example, Capital Grill, their patio has always allowed pets. Um, Yeah. In fact, they'll bring you water for your dog and things like that, too. So uh, same thing with um, Bison Books. I mean, who would have thought, right? The owner has a dog, so they, they sometimes bring their dog in. Um, you can shop with your dog. They don't have anything specifically for dogs. But, I mean, if you're looking for books on Lassie, maybe, I'm just saying, um, that might be the place to go with your pet. Um, yeah, So it, and again, like some places have specialty items for your dog. So you can actually get pet bandanas at Lake of the Woods Brewery in their um, in their shop there um, you can also get ice cream for your dog at both fat and at um, neon cone so yeah it just kind of highlights those different things and gives you some information about where you're walking um, like like you mentioned it's narrated by the lovely Kayla Evans and she did such a great job um, so as you get to each spot the um, audio will actually auto-play, so you'll find out as you're walking up to the um, to location what's interesting about that location. Um, Should yeah. I bring headphones for that? Because I let's say I'm, I happen to be doing this tour at the same time as somebody else or a couple of other people. If we've all got our phones out and <laughs> Kayla starts talking to us at, at different times, like uh, I guess headphones probably be the way to go. I don't love headphones because I like to be aware of what's around me, but I mean, everyone's different with that. So yeah, for sure. I mean, bring your headphones if that's what you prefer. Um, Yeah. And the thing with the app, it's available on both the Apple and the Google Play Store. So you can download it from either. Um, It's available now, but our official launch is tomorrow. After tomorrow, you'll be able to go to the different businesses. We also highlight some uh, pet-friendly hotels where you can stay like with your pet, make the whole thing part of a staycation. And you'll be able to pick up a limited supply of pet bandanas. They're super cute. If you see the app, you see like the three little doggies that are the sort of icons of the best friend tour. Um, They're on the pet bandana. They're really, really cute bandanas. Um, They're free. You just have to walk in, show your app, and the business will give you one of the bandanas for free. I love that you're doing this, and I'm curious, you know, what you heard from people because we all know, I mean, my family included, we got a dog during this pandemic. I know so many people who got pets. I just was wondering if that's what you were also hearing in the downtown. And yes, it's a great way to bring people there, but the fact is, our dog population is really on the rise in the city. I think. 100%. I also, 
got a dog during the pandemic. Ooh, what kind? I have a schnauzer, a miniature schnauzer. His oh. name is Ferdy. He's adorable, and I love him so much. And this is, he is 100% the inspiration behind this app. So in the spring, I'm like, where can I take Ferdy to hang out and go places that are downtown? Like, I live downtown. It's my neighborhood. So I just really purely for myself and for Ferdy wanted to find out these places <laughs> and then thought, well, wouldn't this be fun? I do tours as part of my job here. So, you know, how, how do I encourage other people to do the things that – um, you might like to do to hang out with your pet. So yeah, and although it's a seven k walk, you can you can split it into chunks. So don't feel like you have to do the whole thing at one time. If you just don't have the time, you can do bits on the fly or whatever. In your own time, you're able to just kind of pick up and start wherever you like. Um, yeah, and it's really easy to download and super easy to use. And there's lots of great fun places to visit downtown that maybe people didn't realize were pet friendly. Yeah, and that's a really great way to do it, to incorporate that walk. And then uh, maybe you end up with a list of places that you want to go back where you can spend a little bit more time. Exactly. But this is, this is a self-guided tour, as Brett yes. mentioned. Our own Kayla Evans is the voice of the tour. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the technology a little bit. The, <laughs> your, your phone actually recognizes where you are and then yeah. will will start up uh, with the narration that is really cool is that locally created uh, tell us a little bit more about that okay yeah it's really cool it's the gps that's on your phone right so as soon as you get near the gps location in the app it will start playing um so if you have your gps turned on that off then it won't do that but mm -hmm. for, for most of us we do have it on all the time i know i do so as i approach a location it will just auto play which i think is really slick um, no, it's actually an, uh, an app developer um, based out of the U.S. that I worked with. So it's made locally because I made it. But the technology behind it is, is a U.S. company okay. that did it. Yeah, well, um, Winnipeg, Winnipeg Trolley Tours, actually, they have an app, uh, tour app as well. Um, and they developed it with using the same people. So I approached them and said, hey, like, who did you use? Your app's really great. And then we, we developed our own. So, yeah. 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 It, it was a lot of work, but super fun to work on. And I'm really happy it's finally launched because it's been a labor. <laughs> downtown Peggy, the Downtown Winnipeg Tour app is available officially as of tomorrow and the first tour is tomorrow and it's called the Best Furry Friend Tour or the BFF Tour and it will take you to points of interest along the way, Loren, that are and I feel like you need to say this because it's a pun. Pop-proved? Pop-proved. Pop-proved. Oh, <laughs> that took me a while to get there. Sorry. <laughs> All right, Downtown Peggy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the heads up. Much appreciated. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.